94.5 The Zone. In Nashville, Tennessee, pal, I'm the man. This is Squared Circle Radio. Welcome to the Kevin Owens Show. The latest news and commentary on the world of professional wrestling. They make sure you ain't booty. And now... Squared Circle Radio. The face that runs the place. With your main eventers, Jason Martin, David Reed, and Brandon Haggerty. Welcome in. Good Sunday morning to you. Welcome back. It's Squared Circle Radio here on 104.5 The Zone. David Reed's out. He's celebrating his anniversary with Lindsay and Gatlinburg. He was out all week. I'm sure he had a good time. I saw him with a virtual axe chopping down a tree in a video game. Looked like the happiest man I've ever seen in my life. Congratulations to him and Lindsay on another year of wedded bliss. Brandon Hagney is with me. He is at Hagney. I'm Jason Martin. I'm on Twitter at jmartzone. We are at Zone Wrestling, and we are still fed up with WWE. A little bit. So we'll just go ahead and tell you right off the top yet again, like we did last week, disclaimer, it's still not going to be very positive. Not great. We will talk some AEW. That's some interesting news to be... And we might talk some XFL a little bit, at least with their media deal that was signed this week. But you had an interesting suggestion <clears throat> via our text chain earlier this week, Brandon, about taking a look at guys that could have been main event level, top flight performers for WWE and trying to pinpoint the moment in which it all went wrong, not because of them, but because of the way creative handled them or just dropping the ball or missing it entirely and letting it go to the backstop. And so I put together a list of 14 guys here that I think maybe qualify in wow. that list of potential dudes that could have been top-level guys. And maybe and some of them have been. Some of them even are. But not to the degree that maybe you would expect. And so the guys that I wrote down, and then we'll start to break them down in more detail, are Finn Balor, AJ, who was on top, but I still think could have been higher up. Samoa Joe. Bray Wyatt early. Rusev had his moments. Braun Strowman. All three members of the Shield in different capacities that could have been handled better, certainly. Kevin Owens. The Nexus, which we talked about off-air right before we went on. Daniel Bryan, even though they got it right, I don't know how right they've been since he's come back in some I'm ways. I'm not super sure because Daniel Bryan was one of mine as well on my list, but I sort of wavered on it. I'm not really sure you can put a ton of blame on WWE for Daniel Bryan. Yeah, and I mean they did sort of go with the flow begrudgingly. I mean, yeah, once it happened, they, they had to be forced into it by the by the WWE universe, but they did it. And Daniel Bryan then immediately got hurt. Right. And so the other name on here, I guess we could start with the top of the heap, and that's CM Punk, who hasn't been with the company certainly since he left the day after the Royal Rumble in 2014, I believe is when it happened. And other than him being under a mask doing a terrible GTS a couple of weeks ago in an independent show uh, that was part of an Ace Steel deal who was you know somebody he trained with, we haven't seen much from him, certainly since that point. Maybe that'll change. Maybe he'll pop up in AEW. But CM Punk was on the trajectory to be the guy. See, and even this, though he held the title for a long time, never to the extent he could have. I know this has now been seven and a half years since this moment happened. Almost eight years now. 
Um, but to me, it is probably the biggest example of a misfire for WWE because what we're, what we're talking about here is not really like, like Seth Rollins is absolutely a main event player for WWE. And we'll get to Seth Rollins uh, during this conversation, but we're talking about transcendent people who break through into the mainstream. And WWE hasn't really had that a lot in the last decade or so. Ronda Rousey got them a lot of mainstream attention yep. uh, when she came in, so she's probably the last one. But before that, to me, it's CM Punk in terms of a person who actually broke through in the mainstream. That pipe bomb promo in the summer of 2011, he was he made wrestling cool again. It was a very fleeting moment. It only lasted about a month. But I remember CM Punk was going on like Bill Simmons' podcast. He was on a couple of other different like national-level podcasts and radio shows and television shows. He made wrestling matter. I remember being on Twitter the night that that happened and people were saying, what, what's going on? What is this? Like for one night at least, and maybe a little bit after that, even at least leading up to Money in the Bank that, that year, he made wrestling cool. Mm-hmm. And so my moment that they dropped the ball on CM Punk is August 14th, 2011. Is that SummerSlam? SummerSlam. Now you could argue that bringing him back, what, two weeks after uh, leaving with the title yeah. of Money in the Bank was a big mistake, and I would agree with that. But WWE, at the at, at the end of the day, needed a SummerSlam main event. And John Cena with the interim title and, and CM Punk with the real title is an obvious SummerSlam main event. But at the end of that night, CM Punk gets attacked by Kevin Nash. Mm-hmm. And that hair. Kevin Nash who had been nowhere near WWE programming for I don't know, 14 years at this point, however long it had been since he left as Diesel. Um, he gets attacked by Kevin Nash, and Alberto Del Rio cashes in the Money in the Bank briefcase to become the new WWE champion. This does not lead to a CM Punk versus Kevin Nash match. It leads to a Triple H Kevin Nash match. Yes. Now, CM Punk did a lot of great things after this moment. He... You know, wrestled The Undertaker at WrestleMania. Did a lot of really cool stuff. This was the moment where his potential to be the guy breaking through into the mainstream, transcendent superstar, ended, died right there. And it seemed like there was a reason it was killed, and that was because somebody didn't want to see him get there. And that could be the argument against some of these guys that we're going to name on this list, but you're right because CM Punk possessed what you wanted CM Punk to possess. The biggest thing was dude could talk. Not only could he talk, he could really talk and he could back it up in the ring. And for the most part, that has been what top guys in WWE need to have. I mean, if you want to knock some of the other guys on those lists, Braun Strowman's limited on the microphone. Roman, because of the way they script him and don't let him talk, can be limited on the microphone. Seth is a little bit too sing-song rhythmic with the way that he talks compared to the way I'd like to see him. I continue to compare him to Edge in the way that he cuts promos. Edge is a lot better on the Edge and Christian show when he's just being himself, but when he's trying to cut a promo, he starts to talk in rhythmic ways, and he accentuates all the words, and sometimes that doesn't necessarily fly the best way. But guys that can talk, a lot of them came from the Indies, it seems like, but CM Punk and then another guy on this list is Samoa Joe 
for me because, and they may still be able to turn this thing around. And Joe had to deal with injuries. But if you remember when Joe was first called up from NXT, I guess this would have been two years ago, didn't have a match at WrestleMania, wasn't on it at all. But he was there that weekend because yeah, that was, I he, was there that weekend. He, so if I remember correctly, he his first night was attacking Seth Rollins, right? Yes. And he aligned himself. On Raw. Yeah, that was when Triple H and Seth Rollins was at WrestleMania. Yeah, that was the Orlando Mania. Um, whatever the pay-per-view before that would have been. Fastlane, I guess. Fastlane, Elimination Chamber, whatever. That was Samoa Joe versus Seth Rollins. Yes. But they had no plan for him at WrestleMania. Right. That's the thing. It's like, it's the shortness of planning sometimes where you can miss the boat too. They kind of did it with Kevin Owens when he came back and they put him in this match with Kofi Kingston, set it up, changed what they were planning on doing with him, and then had no plan for him and he wasn't at Mania at all. Like the same kind of deal. He shouldn't have even been back. We've discussed that on this show a number of different times. But how about Dean Ambrose? Dean Ambrose, who has left the company, who turned down a lot of money to leave the company, the place where his wife works, to go do videos that are basically lampooning WWE in some respects. His John Moxley video that came out last week. You can point to numerous spots where Dean Ambrose had the chance to be the guy and they didn't go with him. One of those we were in attendance for after he kind of went off on his own, they had this sort of, they had a lumberjack match at SummerSlam that year. And this this was 2014. This was the fall of 2014. And that SummerSlam match, it was a lumberjack match. They eventually, immediately went over the lumberjacks and into the crowd and they fought for like 15, 20 minutes. It was great. Then the next night on TV, and this was him and Seth, then the next night they did the thing with the concrete block on Raw, and he was red hot. And then came, I guess it was Night of Champions here in Nashville, where Roman had his incident where he couldn't perform, and he was in the hospital because of us, because we interviewed him that morning, and then he had what he had. Impacted hernia, I think, which doesn't sound pleasant. Dean Ambrose showed up, wasn't on the card, showed up and just kind of attacked Seth Rollins. Dean Am- the pop that that came from Nashville that night and how over Dean Ambrose was at that point was staggering. That dude had the potential to be the next blue-collar, top-level guy. Not going to invoke the name of the Texas Rattlesnake, but he definitely had a chance to be Diamond Dallas Page. He had a chance to be that level of blue-collar people's get-behind-him guy. And then, like, weeks after that, he's doing some of the worst comedy I've ever seen including that hot dog vendor cart at the end of Raw and the like dummy that he had in the ring as well, like the following week. They had it, and they just totally miscast him just because he was a quirky dude. Vince is like, oh, he's funny. He makes me laugh, I guess. Like, I, I can't explain why you would do this to a guy who came up on death matches. And then he moved on to a, a, pro, a, a program with Bray Wyatt. Yes, that has killed a couple of people. Which, including I, I, Bray. I think, uh, didn't that start with like a hologram thing? Yes, in Hell in a, a Cell. Hell in a Cell? It's yeah. Seth, Seth Dean Hell in a Cell. That was After supposed to be the they blow-off. fell off the cage together, the finish was Tupac in the middle of the ring like in a hologram. That was supposed to be the blow-off to what was going to, what should have been a, a great feud in Seth and Dean. Yes. And it ends in a hologram in a Hell in a Cell. And then I think that program ended with Dean Ambrose blowing a television in his face? Yes. 
They also did, I think, a trick or treat match on SmackDown where they had a kendo stick wrapped like a uh, piece of candy corn. Mm. I mean, Ambrose, and one of the main excuses Ambrose had when he left was, I'm tired of doing dumb comedy. And they had him doing dumb comedy. So that's just one example for Dean. Well, actually, two if you want to talk Bray Wyatt and go a little further. And then they got him hot again when he came back from that long injury. The other thing they did was job him out to Brock Lesnar at Mania. After building that thing up, Brock just didn't want any part of that match, apparently. That was bad for Dean's career as well, and I think that hurt his morale. But when he came back and then turned on Seth the night that Roman announced leukemia, he was dead. And then that feud and the way that they wrote him and they've got him out here with gas masks on and wearing weird jackets and getting inoculated because of the city and all this. Like, it was just so bad. And then by the time they had their match, they had a match at TLC, one of the most boring matches I've ever seen. It was dead for both of them. Seth Rollins and Dean Ambrose should not be that way, ever. And they were. And now Dean Ambrose is not a part of WWE, so he's on the list. So that's just that's just a couple of guys. When we come back, we will continue down this list. The guy that he was in the feuds with, the best feuds of his career in WWE, that guy has a championship right now, the championship as a matter of fact, but they still drop the ball on that guy too. And so we will start there next. Squared Circle Radio, 104.5. Circle Radio 104.5 The Zone talking pro wrestling we do it every week we've done it for over five years now Brandon Hagney is part of that we he's at Hag Haney I'm part of that we I'm Jason Martin the other part of our triumvirate is David Reed he'll be back next week he's celebrating his anniversary this entire week with his lovely wife Lindsay congratulations to them me and David are basically just going to like tag out you're passing like ships in the night in Gatlinburg yeah because next uh, next Sunday seven days from today is uh, my first anniversary, and we're going to celebrate it in Gatlinburg because that's where we got married. Yes, that was a fun wedding last year, and now that I'm looking around at things, I'm like, hmm, talk about cost. But we talked about Dean. We didn't talk about Seth, but we came back with Seth Rollins' music. He's currently the universal champion, but they still got this wrong, and we went nuts over this when it happened. Seth Rollins could have been the biggest baby face we've seen in I don't know how long. If they had just capitalized, and you know exactly where we're going here, folks. You want me to give the exact date since we're pinpointing exact dates? Yeah, if you May got 22nd, it. May 22nd, 2016. There we go. Extreme Rules. Yep. When he showed up, what was it he did that night? The he very end of the night. Pedigreed somebody, right? Pedigree Roman Reigns after that. he beat AJ Styles in a WWE Championship match. Right. And so... We always talked about Seth's comeback being like Triple H at Madison Square Garden after his quad injury when he showed up. And you can bet your I'm back when he couldn't get that word out for whatever reason. The pop and just the roof blowing off. And we, you know, when you talk about these moments they missed, some of the loudest pops I've ever heard. We discussed one in the first segment CM Punk at Money in the Bank in Chicago against John Cena that year after the pipe bomb promo. Triple H at Madison Square Garden making his triumphant return after that injury. And you could have had that with Seth Rollins after his long injury after the Kane debacle where he tried the sunset powerbomb, his leg went out, and he was out for like a year. 
and they were putting up videos on the WWE network of yeah, his a- rehab and all of that. And it's just like, dude, you've got a perfect baby face here. And he was a heel. And not only that, like, I feel like now I know turning Roman Reigns heel is is just a, at this point, it's a pipe dream. Yeah. But it's been discussed over and over and over and over again. Like Marshawn Lynch. Um, <laughs> over and over. Run through him up, face. Um, but if it was going to happen, you would have thought this was the moment to ha- to make it happen. You could have cashed in on two fronts at this one moment. Yep. And they didn't do it. I mean, one of the biggest and smartest cash-ins of that type, they did it at WrestleMania 13. They turned Steve Austin babyface and Bret Hart heel and did a double turn. Double turns can really work if you've got the right components. And you already knew by 2016 the fans were not behind Roman Reigns. So if you wanted to flip that script and have Roman go heel and have Seth Rollins coming back after being injured, all you would have had to do is had Roman attack him during that promo, just have him annihilate him right there, tired of your crap, you weakling, blah, 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 all of that. People would have been all behind it. Would have been better for Roman's career. Would have been better for Seth's career. We're talking only like three years ago now. Yeah, Roman could have already been a babyface again. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, The Rock couldn't work as a babyface until he worked as a heel first. When he got over as a heel, then people started to like the stuff he was doing, talking in third person, and then he was able to turn babyface and get people behind him. Then he could play either way, and he had the fans sort of there. But they decided to go the John Cena route with Roman Reigns to recreate the guy, which is not what WWE has historically done. Historically, the next guy is not like the one that currently exists. Something has to change. Stone Cold was not like Bret Hart. He was not, and Bret Hart was not like Hulk Hogan. And John Cena was definitely not like The Rock or Stone Cold Steve Austin. But they tried to recreate John Cena in Roman Reigns, and I get that from a marketing perspective and a PR perspective, but you had an opportunity to make Roman Reigns a dominant heel, and you did not take advantage of that opportunity. And then on the other side... I mean, Seth's a decent babyface right now, but he floundered for a while because they had that stupid Kingslayer nonsense where it was just a Triple H feud that didn't really pan out as well as maybe it could have. The match at Mania was kind of forgettable in a list of great matches in Seth Rollins' career. That one is not near the top because it went too long because it was Triple H at WrestleMania, and that's just that's what he does. But you got that one wrong to be sure. And now how about Braun Strowman? Last seen throwing... Sami Zayn into a dumpster and Sami Zayn no-selling it the next night, coming out and having a title Sami, shot on Sami SmackDown. Sami Zayn had a WWE championship match the next night. Unbelievable. Braun Strowman a couple of years ago. I know he's limited in the ring. He probably couldn't have been a long-term champion for that reason. Maybe he could have. It's a WWE. But I remember the four-way at SummerSlam. I guess it would have been two years ago. And... And during that match, one of David Reed's favorite moments ever was Braun Strowman throwing a chair at Roman Reigns. And it wasn't a steel chair. It was an office chair. It was an office chair. At that moment, Braun Strowman was red hot. And I mentioned Samoa Joe in that first segment. You can include him here as well because he also went to the altar of this same guy. Remember Great Balls of Fire? (laughs) Yeah, that was a Barely. thing. That was the name of a pay-per-view. Main event of that card was Samoa Joe and Brock Lesnar. And they had an 
awesome build on TV. And that was just going to be a stopgap because of an injury deal because they were trying to get to SummerSlam. And then Joe got over so well, that's why they ended up doing the four-way the month after that where Braun was there. They had two guys right there, and they fed them both to Brock Lesnar, and they fed them to Brock for one reason, to feed Brock to Roman Reigns later on. But the altar of Brock Lesnar has taken its share of guys that could have been the guy and just became victims of Suplex City and a couple of but, F5s but that's and you're the done. Thing. They never really fed Brock to Roman. But that was the plan. That was the idea behind what they were doing, like is to next, build Brock the, like a monster so that he could beat The next year's WrestleMania was Roman Reigns versus Brock Lesnar, but they didn't change the championship. <laughs> Saudi Arabia got in the way. Seth beat him. Jeez, but, I mean, there have been guys, we talked about Dean Ambrose, lost to Lesnar in a very forgettable match, and I never really thought Dean was the same after that. Samoa Joe, I'm not saying he should have beaten Brock, but that could have been a lot better than it was. The Braun Strowman match was very forgettable as well. But Braun Strowman absolutely could have been the guy. That get these hands stuff and everybody buying the shirts and everybody loving it and going crazy when his music hit. He was the big show with a lot more potential in what he could do from a main event level standpoint, even though Big Show is certainly a better talker than he is. Now, I know we're talking about like breakthrough transcendent stars here, but one guy that you brought up before we start, before we got on air this morning, was Sami Zayn. Yeah. And now that we're talking about Braun Strowman, it made me think of Sami Zayn because if if you remember that brief feud that Sammy had with Braun Strowman. Yeah, and like the it was like November, December of a, a couple of years ago, two, yeah, three, when he was a baby face Mick and he Foley, was like Mick, Mick Foley, Foley was trying, yeah. a general manager and he was involved in it and everything. Foley was trying to talk him out of it. Yeah, he was, he was trying, like, I've done what you're doing, yeah. don't do it. And it was like kind of the everyman, Sammy Zayn, the ultimate underdog kind like of thing. If deal. ever there was a moment that you could have pulled the trigger on Sammy Zayn, I feel like that would have been the moment. Yeah. They clearly weren't interested in doing that. No. So good, good heel though. No, he's a great heel. Even though I don't know what's happening now, like I don't understand the purpose of what we just saw was another guy, and this guy's near and dear to Nashville's heart. I think he he could have been. I'm not saying he could have been the guy, but he definitely could have been a main event player. Is Rusev? Rusev, who was programmed with John Cena at a WrestleMania, he had a tank. Had a tank. Lana was in the tank. Had Lana. Everything was over. Rusev is a charismatic dude. Follow him on Twitter. His promos are funny. Pretty good in the ring. Got himself in tremendous shape. Like, never stopped trying to make himself more marketable and more useful. That's the thing. He is, from the moment he debuted and he was a bit pudgy. That's when he was an open can of biscuits. He was an open can of biscuits with, like, the, the wet, greasy, stringy, long hair. Like, this man has gone from black black swan to a dove in the like looks department. And that's like Braun. I mean, Braun's kind of done that, too. I mean, Braun was never, like, totally out of shape, but Braun's Braun, shredded right Braun now. Braun got a six-pack. Yeah, like Braun's... Colin Jost. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, I mean, he, is, he is frightening. But Rusev, there were a couple moments where Rusev could have been the foreign menace. They put him with the League of Nations, which was death for everybody in the League of Nations. Killed Drew McIntyre's first WWE run. Like Killed Drew McIntyre. It was the last of Alberto Del Rio, I think. And that's fine. Yeah, that's good. We're good with that. Sheamus was a champion, if you remember that, because we were at Survivor, Survivor Series with the Brogue kick and everything that happened after that. But Rusev's had a couple of moments. One where he could have become just a top-level entertainer. And that was the Rusev Day stuff when him and Aiden could have easily won the tag titles 
I don't know if that was a little over a year ago, a year and a half ago, uh, but it was it was in the fall, and that's one of those ones where you just make a decision on the fly and change based on the reaction because you don't care about those titles anyway. You haven't cared about the tag titles in a long, long time, and they were red hot, and they missed the boat on that, and the Rusev Day thing was still hot for a couple months after that, and they just kind of let it die. It was selling shirts. They just didn't push it the way that they could have. And then now it's just it's him and Nakamura, which could be cool, but it's not. Like it's just. I mean, they're not really even on no, television. No, exactly. And that's it's inexcusable to me the guy like Rusev would not be on TV. I know it's from Nashville. I know we all love him, but Rusev's really talented. He has good matches. Had had the best match of the card on a pay per view six seven months ago with AJ Styles in the semi main event. I mean, he goes out there and gives you everything everything that you want. He's active on social media. He's funny on social media, engaging guy He's one in of the person. few guys that actually pays attention to psychology. Yeah. Like, I mean, there's there's just so much to like about him, and they can get that right. And if you want to talk about another guy in the League of Nations, Cesaro. And Cesaro, he had a couple of false starts as well, including being a Paul Heyman guy. Yeah, this, is one of, this is one of this show's um, greatest hits. Yeah. Was us talking about Cesaro and and his potential to be a main event player? Um, yeah, this is not a deep cut for us. This is one you can hear all the time. Yeah, this thing is top of the charts for this show. Uh, April seventh, twenty fourteen. Like I, I'm actually coming in with dates. The that was actual, after the Andre, that right? Was the the WrestleMania the Raw after WrestleMania yeah, after, after he, he won, won the Andre? Andre. Um, at this point, Cesaro is on fire. Yep, he's doing the swing. The swing is probably the most over move on the roster. This He actually, on this night, he got an endorsement from Hulk Hogan on that role. Like Then this was like pre-Bubba the Love Sponge tape Hulk Hogan. Pre-bad Hulk Hogan. Back when this might have actually meant something yeah, to somebody right. Hulk Hogan. Right. <clears throat> And he comes out and he ditches Zeb Coulter and he announces himself as a Paul Heyman guy. And I remember coming in that week on this show thinking this thing, he's put the, put the rocket on his back. <clears throat> rocket strapper, as Edge and Christian would say, because he's, he's going to the top. No, um, he started a feud with Sheamus mm-hmm. after that for the United States Championship, lost lost matches on television to Kofi Kingston and Big E. He broke up with Heyman on July 21st. So this lasted three months, three and a half months, where he was a Paul Heyman guy. Right after that, he lost matches to Dean Ambrose, John Cena, Jack Swagger, Dolph Ziggler, and Rob Van Dam. There was a three-month period where that dude just got buried. For no reason. It's not like he did anything wrong. And I remember writing it. I think I wrote the week after that. At Cage Side Seats, I wrote a piece about how Paul Heyman really wasn't a heel. Paul Heyman was Drew Rosenhaus. That he was a new level manager. That he was basically a sports agent because he didn't really cheat. He wasn't somebody who carried a tennis racket and hit dudes, for instance. He was a guy, and he didn't even do the old heel stuff Paul E. Dangerously used to do. He was just, he was an agent. He was an advocate. And that as such, Cesaro could be pushed like an athlete. As opposed to baby and heel, he could just be a different kind of guy. That Brock Lesnar was sort of the same thing. And I remember Heyman <clears throat> retweeting it and write, and sending me a message and saying it's a really interesting perspective. And I was like, okay, this could work. No, nah, it didn't work. It was a Brock Lesnar joint, 
and it was a CM Punk joint. But the other two Paul Heyman guys, not as good. Yeah, that remember the other one? Curtis Axel. Curtis Axel. List ain't done. We've got more. Come on back. We also have to talk about uh, some comments made on a forum about a guy that, well, it's not good for Lars Sullivan. And I guess we have to talk about the wild card rule, too. Yeah, we're kind of trying to not. I'm still, but I'm yes. still just as confused about it as Vince McMahon is. Yeah, we all are. We'll be right back. Square Circle Radio 104.5. The Sick. I just wanted it to play because it says there ain't no stopping us now. Yeah, there is. WWE sure as heck stopped you. Welcome back, Squared Circle Radio. They ain't stopping us. 104.5 The Zone. Brandon Hagney with me. I'm Jason Martin. We're on Twitter at Zone Wrestling. David Reed back with us next week. We spent a lot of time talking about Bailey. And I remember, Brandon, when we went to TakeOver in Orlando. So I, night Sasha Banks won the uh, NXT Women's Championship. Yes, in a four-way. Four Good four-way as well. It was also with Kevin Owens, Sasha Finn Balor. Yeah, we did. And she was like super humble. We were like in a room. It was like part of the performance center. And she like came up and was like didn't even want to make eye contact with us. Her head was down. And I didn't recognize her until she got a little bit close up. She was like, are we going to blah, blah, blah show? Fast forward a couple of years later. She's in a different position now. But Bailey. Bailey's an example of somebody that not to not they didn't just drop the ball. They dropped a wrecking ball on her face. Basically, because we spent an hour talking about how she could become the female John Cena, that this was going to work with kids, but that after what we saw at NXT Brooklyn, at Takeover Brooklyn between her and Sasha, she also had the hardcores. They liked the gimmick, but the kids were going to like the other side of the gimmick. Bailey, somebody you could root for, look up to did all the right things, but also worked super hard, got a lot better in the ring, had a good look. We saw one-on-one, like, sit-down interview stuff that she did in NXT where she could talk. She debuted on the main roster as a mystery partner alongside, I think it was Sasha. Yeah, at uh, Battleground in 2016. Yes, and got over. Like, people liked her that night, and so you knew you were going to see her. And then she finally did come up. And real quick after she came up, she was dead. Killed dead in the water like nobody's business. And I don't know exactly when the feud happened, but it was the Alexa Bliss feud that killed her off for good. Well, her first thing after getting on the main roster, she immediately challenged uh, Charlotte for the Raw Women's Championship. So she was in she was in a bit of a title program. She obviously never won it at that point. I'm trying to uh, find where exactly... Uh, the Alexa Bliss uh, program happened. Would have been like April of 2017, like post-WrestleMania? Might have been, because it it wasn't the first thing that she did. It wasn't last year, so I think it was two years ago. And I mean, I think Bliss got to the main roster after her. Oh, yeah. Yeah, she did, for sure. And, I mean, no disrespect to Alexa Bliss, but Bailey was just sacrificed for Alexa Bliss. And not just sacrificed, she was made to look stupid. Remember that This Is Your Life segment or whatever they did that Alexa hosted just buried her? In the ring, they made her look like a total fool. In that uh, whatever it was on a pole match that they did, kendo stick on a pole match maybe it was, the way that she didn't seem to understand how to go for that thing and made all the wrong decisions. Yeah, this was, uh, okay, it was it was in 2017. Yeah, it was like May or June. It was, like in, it was after Mania, right? 
Yeah, she uh, she retained. She was the Raw Women's Champion at this point. Uh, retained the championship at WrestleMania 33 in a four-way against Charlotte, Sasha Banks, and Nia Jax. Okay, she won the title at Mania in Orlando because I was there for that in that like six-pack match or whatever that they did. But she dropped the title at Payback on April 30th, 2017 to, to Alexa, Bliss. Alexa Bliss. Yeah, so she's never recovered from that. And then if you wanted to try and help her recover from that, they had this incessant... You don't know where either one of them is coming from. Obnoxious feud with her and Sasha Banks being friends and then not friends. And that was incredibly poorly done. And then she's getting booed just recently on TV. When she was on Raw the night before she was moved over to SmackDown, she came out to challenge, uh, I guess it was a bit, it was Becky, I guess it was, or whoever it was that she wrestled on Raw that night. She got booed when she came down to the that ring to get involved in that pro. Alexa, that's right. Because she had Becky the next week on SmackDown. Mm-hmm. But Bailey had everything that you want. And they didn't do anything with her. And now we're looking at Sasha Banks, who, I mean, her and Charlotte worked in every possible match you could to try and make history. But Sasha wasn't the one that they were really focusing on. That's obvious, and she's not happy. And now she, I mean, who the, knows what's going to happen with her career now. The story, the joke, I guess you could say, surrounding Sasha Banks's uh, main roster tenure is that she can't defend a championship. Yeah, she would win it and lose it the very first time she would be out there. It was like they were trying to add up numbers so they could say she was also an X number of champion, X number of times champion. So that's just a few. We talked about Asuka many times on this show. We don't even need to go down that path. We know exactly exactly what that is. For a long time, Becky Lynch was just there. They finally, she kind of forced her way into making that matter. But I don't know that they were really going to... They had no idea that that was actually going to happen. She just got lucky to stumble into that. But she was just one of those likable people that they just beat like a drum over and over again on TV, like a lot of the women. Now I'm looking at somebody like Ember Moon, and I'm just like, she's good. Are you going to do anything with her? No. Probably not. And that's a shame. It's a, it's a definite shame. Not as big a shame as this. Do we want to talk about the wild card rule? We want to talk about that other thing. We got to do both. Let's get Lars out of the way. All right. So Lars Sullivan was on a bodybuilding.com forum years and years ago and said some very ugly things. And that's just to be mild. That's to be very, very kind about it. It's not like we can talk about these things on the air in specifics. We can't read them for you. You can go to Reddit, the squared circle Reddit and find it. It's now been republished at a bunch of different websites, but let's just, the litany would be this racist, sexist, xenophobic, homophobic, basically everything you could possibly. He's got the whole smorgasbord of bigotry. He, and ran, it ain't good. he ran the gamut. It, it was bad, man. Like, I mean, when I went and read some of the stuff, it turned my stomach. And I originally thought, okay, who's made this up? Nobody would be this foolish. No, he did. Like, I mean, they were able to get pictures out of him to make sure that it was him. These things did not just surface this week. And we had some people tweet us over the past few days and say, are you going to address these recent comments? One, they're not recent. 
to WWE knew about them already I mean, before this push happened. There was talk that maybe the reason Lars went away wasn't panic attacks. It was how are we going to handle this? And, and speaking of panic, attack, panic attacks, one of the things that... Uh, yes, he mocks. He mocks people with mental illnesses, especially panic attacks, and calls them weak. Yes. Which he then proceeded, the story is, to have a panic attack. Yes. But that's neither here nor there. Um yeah, these things, I remember actually seeing a few of these comments back in January when those uh, first vignettes started to uh, started to appear. And, I mean, that's right around the time where he went home. And they dropped the, seemingly they dropped his debut, didn't know if he was ever going to come back. The John so, Cena match he was going to have at Mania was scrapped. Yeah, so the comments sort of went away. And now that he's back on television and getting this monster push... The, these have been brought back up. I tell you what, man, the panic attack stuff doesn't really wash anymore, does it? This thing seems more like these comments, they started to think about them a little bit and knew, okay, this might be a problem because we're seeing it right now. We're seeing it happen. And it's interesting because I was thinking about it in terms of benefits outweighing your problems. And like the reason Kaepernick's not playing is because people don't think that he is like an elite level quarterback to overcome the baggage that he brings along with him. Right. Richard Sherman this week talked about Nick Bosa. We talked about Nick Bosa's tweets about being pro-Trump and some of the other things that he had said that Nick Bosa has tried to distance himself from. And Richard Sherman said, look, all we care about, it doesn't matter what he says, if he, if he can play. And what I was thinking was, right, would it matter if he couldn't? Like, if he couldn't play, would it all of a sudden be a real big problem that he was in your locker room, that nobody's going to care if he's really good? And then I started to think about Lars Sullivan in the same way. Lars Sullivan said much more heinous stuff, much more controversial stuff, much more indefensible stuff, Certainly than Nick Bosa's political opinions or anything to that effect. But here's my thing. WWE clearly thinks Lars Sullivan could play. I don't know that the audience, a lot of the mainstream audience agrees with that. It seems like most of the smarts on social media really like Lars and love what they're doing with Lars. And certainly all the media types seem to be behind Lars. They're talking about how great a talker he is back in his days in NXT and all these things. I've read all this all week long. My initial reaction when I saw these posts is, I'm the guy that don't go find Mitch Trubisky's tweet the night that he gets drafted, where he was, you know, saying something about women's anatomy or something like that. I mean, kids are dumb. This stuff, it's a lot. It's not one random comment. And I know he's apologized, and maybe we'll even tell you what the apology was. He was blocking anybody on Twitter this week that mentioned anything about this. But here's my thing, personally. I don't think he can play well enough from an optical standpoint, if I'm WWE, for me to care enough yeah, to like I mean, protect Lars Sullivan. He's not Roman Reigns. He's not John Cena. He's not a guy we discussed in the first couple of segments of them dropping the ball with. He's just a dude that just started out who has a lot of heinous stuff that's indefensible that he said in the past. And it's like, it, it's not, like you said, it's not just one no sort of out of the blue throwaway kind of th these these comments span five years from like 2008 to 2013 and it is dozens yes like it's not it's not one or two it is dozens it's, and yeah, it is and, and lars sort of you know released the sanitized apology statement that you would expect from anyone that's caught up in something like this. It read, there is no excuse for the inappropriate remarks that I made years ago. 
They do not reflect my personal beliefs, nor who I am today. And I apologize to anyone I offended. I mean, here's the thing, and we've got to take a break, and we'll come back, and maybe we'll finish this discussion, and we'll talk about the wild card rule, and maybe AEW, but I don't know what's in a man's heart. And far be it for me to judge anybody. I know that five years' worth of comments that were that bad seem very, very ingrained to me. I hope that what Lars Sullivan says in that apology, which is well-crafted to make sure there's no word out of place, he probably didn't write it. Honestly, somebody else probably made sure that every word in that thing was right. Somebody in WWE's PR staff. But I hope every word of that is accurate. I really, really do. Everybody deserves forgiveness. Everybody deserves grace. Actually, it but was it's a, a lot of bad it, it, stuff. It was a statement made through the company. Oh, okay. So okay. it was a WWE statement. Okay. I'm having a real hard time with this one, though. I admit that. We come back. Another thing that we're all having a real hard time with, including the chairman of the World Wrestling entertainment the wild card rule and numbers that don't i mean i'm not good at math but i can count to five and i can definitely count to three we'll be right back square circle radio 104.5 final segment square circle radio 104.5 the zone you can hit us up at zone wrestling brendan hagney with me i'm jason martin david reed back next week so Vince McMahon opened up Raw on Monday. The ratings were catastrophic last week. We spent a lot of time talking about them. They were up a little bit this week, but not substantially. They were against a good NBA matchup on Monday night. Two decent matchups, one that did 7.6 million viewers. But so what is the big idea? Because we were told, and this was reported all day Monday, that Vince had a plan to fix things. The plan turned out to be something called the wild card rule. Which is dudes Which was, can go from brand to brand a certain number. It was written on a cocktail napkin Had five, be. five minutes before the show started. And it was that three people could come over from one brand to the next. And it changed, changes from week to week. It's not like, you know, only these three right. people. Can. Even though you expect Roman Reigns is going to be one of them all the time because one of the big things that happened here was USA balked. And they were like, oh, you're putting Roman Reigns on Fox? We... Why would you take him away from us? We need him as far as the ratings, too. And they said they wanted Roman, so then they started to recalibrate. So the big stars are going to be on both shows is kind of what it means. And that seemed to be more of a compromise between not just USA, but Fox as well. Absolutely, yes. And so so Roman Reigns shows up, and they still play his music, even though the company could have stopped that because the company was supposedly not going to let him show up. And then, I'm a genius. I've got a brilliant idea. And it is this wild card rule where multiple guys, and it's supposed to be three. That lasted an hour. But then Lars Sullivan, because of his size, made it four because Lars intimidated people. Says so like, "Oh, Lars can do what he wants." But that was the way like, they explained it. Elias shows up later. Elias doesn't count. Vince was on a rotary phone in the back, and he said, "Oh, Elias is with Shane. Anybody with a McMahon doesn't count against the number." So he's explaining this thing in a backstage segment that makes no sense at all. My favorite part of all of this had to be AJ Styles coming out at the beginning of SmackDown and saying, oh, I've missed you, SmackDown people. My man has been on Raw for two weeks. I bet you there are a lot of viewers that didn't even know he changed brands. That's the problem with doing this now. If you want to do a wild card rule, if you're going to do it, it needs to be like eight months down the road. Like, dude's just moved. 
none of this matters. Plus, you've all already told us nobody matters anyway because the superstar shakeup, we didn't even care when people were, were moving brand to brand. And so now they can move brand to brand back, and the Usos are showing up. They're handing the SmackDown titles to Rowan. And then they had a good match, actually. Rowan and Daniel Bryan against the Usos was a pretty solid match on Tuesday night. It's actually just nice to watch the Usos have good matches instead of doing some of the worst comedy in the world over on Raw. Yeah, but, I mean, the brand extension is still a thing, but is it really? If they can just pull whoever they want over here. They're in the... In the case of trying to make it more unpredictable, they've just made it so they should get back to one roster, cut half the titles out, and they're not going to do that. That absolutely is not going to happen. I know we spent the first two segments of the show talking about not building stars, and that is a massive issue for WWE, but their main issue, I think their number one issue, is just the amount of content. Yeah, that they have to fill. Like They are just flooding audiences with content, and a lot of it's not good. No. It definitely is not. Like, Raw never needs to be three hours. No. Like, how, in that last contract that you negotiated with USA, how did you not get it back down to two? Yeah. Um, they, they have gotten it wrong. And so, for the last two minutes of this show, let's talk about something else. AEW, Turner deal is coming. Just We're going to hear it probably within three days. It better be. I, had, you know, I play crackers. I see the light sometimes on my Big Six show. And, of course, that is I see the light at the end of the tunnel now. Uh, someone please tell me it's not a train. And so AEW, you said this to me during this last commercial break, and I've kind of been the same way over the past few days, really fighting hard not to get my hopes up about AEW being kind of my saving grace for pro wrestling right now. I'm excited about the TV deal. Turner is a big deal going to TNT, which is what it looks like is going to happen. Yeah, that should be announced uh, before the upfronts this yeah, week. Wednesday, I think, is the yeah. day it seems to be pinpointed for that. Double or Nothing coming up on May 25th. We're going to watch that and spend a lot of time talking about it. I think we're going to have Conrad Thompson on potentially next week. Speaking of Conrad, Grilling JR needs to be on your on your uh, like podcast thing. Yeah, I know we've only got a minute yeah. here, but that thing, I, I listened to the debut episode last I've week. I've heard both of them now. Um, I haven't listened to the second episode Curtain yet. Curtain call. That is the best of these Conrad Thompson podcasts that he's been doing with Tony Schiavone and Eric Bischoff. And, of course, the the first one with Bruce Pritchard. I think this JR one beats all of them. I mean, it's like storytelling because JR, JR knows how to do this. No one, no one is better at storytelling than and JR. And he's vulnerable at the same time knowing he's good when he's talking about his wife. That stuff's unbelievable. So, yeah, you should subscribe to that. We'll have Conrad on, and maybe we can talk some StarCast and, and, some, all, and some Double or Nothing and all this. But we are trying not to get too excited but we're kind of starting to get excited about AEW we need something Don't in let this us world yes do not let us down you guys follow us on Twitter at Zone Wrestling we will talk to you next week here on 104.5 The Zone Cut.